looking at a number of different scriptures uh, today in making our case for the Reformation principle of sola scriptura. Isaiah chapter 55, we will read verses 10 and 11 in just a moment. Again, Isaiah 55, verses 10 and 11. As we have on a number of different occasions over these last now eight, nine years, we have taken some time in the month of October to look at the issues that I believe are still pertinent to the church that flow from uh, this Protestant Reformation. A Reformation that, that we celebrate here at North Clay with our 1517 uh, program, a, a look back at uh, uh, the work, the, the genius of uh, the man we remember as, as Martin Luther. And so one of the things that flows to us out of that, that great movement of gospel recovery and revival, okay? Now, if that didn't get your attention, then you're not paying attention. The church is always in need of the gospel being at the center of all that we do and all that we are. Being the church is made up of human beings, we have a tendency to drift. And so we always need to be called back to the center. And as we're drawn to that, that center of the, the revelation of the work of the Son of God on the cross at Calvary, we will see revival as Luther saw, as, as the, the, the darkness that, that permeated what we would call the, the visible church. And folks, again, it was the Roman Catholic church of that day that had obscured the gospel and literally withheld the word of God uh, from uh, the people. And so the reformers came to a number of conclusions, but among them or this business that we identify as five solas, and I'm taking them in a little bit different order than I have in previous years. But why do we do what we do? Why do we believe what we believe? Well, y'all do because I'm your pastor and I told you so, right? I'm the ultimate and final authority here. I'm the man. I'm the bomb. I'm the king, right? Thank you very much for that. I would have thought I'd wasted the previous 16 years if you said yes. But it's the Word of God. It is ultimate and it is final. It has revealed to us the truth regarding our condition as human beings and our need for a Savior and who that Savior is and what we must do to respond in faith so that we would be saved. And so we believe in the the, the, the essential and foundational need for the Word of God. And then next week we will look at three of these solas together. We will look at the reality that we're saved by God's grace through faith in Jesus Christ. We'll kind of put all of those uh, together. Uh, Y'all didn't smile when I say that, but that's really good news. That you, if you're a Christian here today, you have been saved by God's grace. The Word of God revealed to you your condition. 
and the Word of God revealed to you the remedy to that condition, and you responded in faith, okay? So you're saved by God's grace, not because of anything you have done, only because of what He has done through faith in Jesus. Now, you only get a very small part of the equation, you should say, just so I can be happy every day, okay? That's good. But you were saved to God's glory alone. God saved you for himself. And so we'll look at all five of those great uh, principles in the coming weeks, but zero in on this business of the priority and the centrality of Scripture. One of the things that that I told uh, the search team 16 and a half or 16 and a third years ago, they didn't have a clue what I was talking about. I said, I want to be a word-centered that is, that, that what we will do when we will gather is that we will read and that we will hear the proclamation of the Word of God. Now, whatever else we do, you know, okay. But that is going to be at the center of who we are as a church, that the Word of God is going to be rightly divided and it's going to be proclaimed. And so uh, that has defined this church, I've told you many times over the year, I've staked my future, I've staked the future of this church on the reality that I believe that God's people want to hear God's word. Okay? And that uh, uh, it's necessary for our lives, even as believers. So, my concern this morning will come, to, will, will come later to some of the historical issues. It's not so much to rehash uh, Luther and his... Uh, uh, colleagues' discoveries. It's not to lecture on church history, as, as good as all of that is. But I want you to see the pertinence of why we do what we do, the, the way we do it here at North Clay Baptist Church, and why we hold the Scriptures in such high regard and believe that they're absolutely essential for the life of the church. So let's read these two verses, and then we will work our way down through uh, the issues, or at least some of the issues this morning. We're not going to exhaust it by any means. Verse 10, Isaiah 55. For as the rain and the snow come down from heaven and do not return there, but water the earth, making it bring forth and sprout, giving seed to the sower and bread to the eater, so shall my word be that goes out of from my mouth. It shall not return to me empty, but it shall accomplish that which I purpose and shall succeed in the thing for which I sent it. Pray with me. Father, again, we thank you for your word. It is your truth. You have given it to us. You've seen that it would be preserved and that it would be translated and that we would have it in our hands, Lord. And that is a privilege that, that even some Christians down through the years have never even owned a copy of the Word of God for themselves. And Lord, we have this great privilege. And Lord, may we never be neglectful of the privilege we have of knowing you through the testimony of your Word. I pray that your spirit that inspired your truth would illuminate our minds for the sake of our own understanding, for our good, for the good of this church, and Lord, for the good of the world that needs to hear from your people uh, the truth of your gospel. And Lord, we ask these things in Jesus' name. Amen. The prophet Isaiah makes uh, an analogy here. Uh, he uh, really shows us that he understands this ancient man understood something uh, 
about the function of, of rain in the natural realm uh, that, that as it comes down uh, from uh, the heavens and, and waters the earth that there is an essential nature for this water to be present so that there shall be vegetation so that there will be a harvest so that people uh, may be fed. And so that's, an, that's an, a natural cycle, but it is an essential cycle. We've been through uh, several weeks of drought here in Alabama. We understand something of, of how we uh, become a, a, a desperate people uh, apart from uh, the refreshing of the earth with water. And so Isaiah wants us to see that just as this water is necessary in the natural realm, the Word of God is absolutely necessary in the supernatural realm. I mentioned last week a sermon that I did in Romania on the new birth. And many of us have, had, have or have had loved ones that have had terminal uh, diseases. Uh, Gooch just shared with me this morning that basically a diagnosis of a, of a terminal disease for, for Mary Evelyn and how we always would pray for God to intervene, do the miraculous, do what, the, do what would amaze the doctors. And sometimes he does. It's not normative for our day, but sometimes he does. But I still submit to you the greatest miracle that God does in our world today, and he does it frequently, is that he sends out his word and his spirit accompanies that word. And the, the darkened minds of unbelieving people, they receive that word. And God opens that heart so that they believe the gospel of Jesus Christ and they're saved. Folks, that is not of the natural realm. That's of the supernatural realm. It is the work of God. And apart from the preaching of the supernatural word of God, there will be no salvations. There will be no new birth. There will be no conversions. Okay? And so that's why we hold it as to be, to be necessary. Now, I always like to couple the words of Jesus with the words of Isaiah. Jesus said this to Peter as he made the great confession at Caesarea Philippi regarding who Jesus is. You're the Christ. You're the Son of the living God. Jesus tells him that he's going to build his church upon the reality of his identity as the Christ and all that the Christ would accomplish in his life and his death. And he says this in summary. I will build my church. Now folks, I may be the most incompetent preacher that's ever walked the face of the earth. I may not be able to preach my way out of a wet piggly wiggly sack. But let me tell you something. The church of the living God, that the Son of God died on the cross to redeem from their sins, will be built. It will be be built it will be here upon the day of Christ's return I may have a very very small if any contribution to make of it but Jesus will build a church now how will he build it by this word that does not return void whether as Paul would say in season or out of season we're we're really in an out of season right now we we sat in Sunday school this morning and we're talking about Biblical manhood and biblical womanhood. I could go to any good ladies club in Birmingham, Alabama and share the same information and I would be scathingly rebuked for being a Neanderthal or something. Which may be true, but you know. But I'm just saying that the truth 
about God, the truth about His Word, the truth about the, the, uh, uh, the issues of humanity, the condition of humanity, they are not well received this day and time apart from the Spirit of God. The Spirit of God must work, and He always uses the Word of God. And so Isaiah says that God sends forth His Word, again, and we have that Word recorded for us. We have it here uh, in, in the, the covers of, of our Bibles. And when that Word goes out, you know, I, I really have very little to offer you other than the Word. Now, if you want to know who you should be a, a fan of in college football, I can give you a wise word there, okay? I can tell you who you should root for. If you want to know who to vote for, I can tell you who to vote for. I can tell you all kinds of things, and none of them are worth a plug nickel, Okay? But let me tell you something. If I rightly divide this word of truth, you will give an account for your hearing of it. So this is either the best or worst place for you to be today. Okay? It's either the best or the worst. One of the two. You're going to be held accountable for it. Okay? If you're not going to live it out, then it may kind of be the worst at the end of the day. But you need to hear this word. If you're an unbeliever, our prayer is that God's Spirit would open your heart to receive this Word, that He would remove the blinders that Satan himself has placed upon your eyes so you would see the glory of God in the face of the Lord Jesus Christ. But God will accomplish His purpose. Okay? I may fail. You may leave here and say, that is absolutely the worst sermon I've ever heard in my life. And I've heard some bad ones. Most of us have, haven't we? But the truth of God's Word will bear its harvest. So, I can't lose. I can't lose. As long as I stick to the stuff, it will be right. Whether you appreciate it, whether you like it or not. So, let's look. First of all, God's church and God's words. We sing, sing a song or it's an old hymn. The church's one foundation is Jesus Christ, her Lord. She is his creation by what? What? If you've got gray hair, you should know this. Or if you don't have gray hair, but you've used something to cover it up or whatever you do. Spirit and word. Spirit and word. Spirit and word. That's exactly right. So, if there's going to be a church, the word must be proclaimed. Problem in our particular context, same problem Paul had. 1 Corinthians 1.18. The message of the cross, the word of the cross, is foolishness to those who are perishing. Now, they struggled with it in Paul's day. They struggle with it now. Whether it's the first thing that you need to understand is you're a sinner. You're liable for the wrath of God. Me? Me, sir? Look at yourself. You just came in here and judged me. That, you, you know what the unpardonable sin of our culture is now. Don't judge me. 
You can't, say a, you can't say a word of disagreement. I'm going to go jump off the top of this tall building. You know what? That may not be such a good... You're judging me. You're, you can't judge me. Well, I'm not going to judge you, but gravity sure is going to take its toll. Now, but they don't want to hear the reality about their own sin. And it's a problem that cannot be resolved. On your own. And that you need a Savior. And Paul goes on to say that the natural man does not understand the things of God because they're spiritually appraised. That there, there must be a work of the Spirit because it, it's all going to be... You're, wait a minute. You're telling me that this guy that a lot of people didn't like very much and he never accumulated a lot of money. He never had his own private jet. He never even had a house, a swimming pool. He didn't even have a condo at the beach. And, and when he died, all his friends ran off. I mean, even those that said they loved him kind of were a little bit shaky. And you're telling me that that guy was executed according to the protocol of, of the, the occupying forces of the Roman government. And then you're going to tell me that the dead guy walked out of a tomb and hung around for another 40 days and he went to heaven. And you're, you're telling me, i gotta, I got to swallow all of that and accept the fact that I'm a sinner and if I do nothing, I'll go to hell. And you're, you're telling me I've got to swallow all of that for this, what do you call it, salvation? That's the craziest thing I've ever heard of. And they're right. Except that it's true. Except that it's absolutely true how do you know that you didn't you didn't get that from reading the 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 cards you didn't get that uh by reading the stars you didn't you didn't get that by reading your chicken noodle soup or your alphabet cereal or any we know this because god's word tells us this you might look at the world and go it's kind of messed up isn't it but i don't know why I don't understand why. I don't understand why people are crazy. And that's just to send them for sinners, okay? Okay. I don't know why people act like they do. I don't. The Bible tells you why. It explains it all for you, and tells you what the remedy is. And so, there's a necessity. The Word, the Spirit, because men are naturally, according to Romans one eighteen, and I think Paul primarily has in view of what we would call natural revelation here. He says, we suppress the knowledge of the truth in our unrighteousness. We have a conscience. It says something about a moral order to, to all human beings. Okay? And you know, when I leave, left a mess in my room as a child, my mother did not come in there and go, I wonder how in the world this mess got here. Tim, why did you leave this mess in here? Come clean it up. And we look at the world and supposedly very intelligent people can't figure out you know, how the world came. Well, it just kind of it just kind of came into being. It just, you know, it was just it wasn't there and then it was there. But but they suppress the great reality that it's obvious that. Something can't come from nothing. 
I mean, that's, that's the most, to claim that something or that everything comes from nothing is the most scientific, unscientific statement that you can possibly make. It will not hold any weight. I mean, but we suppress it because we want to do what we want to do. If there is no God, I can do what I want to do. And so we have to have the Word of God because we're going to suppress whatever we have. And God ultimately and finally has spoken. The New Testament tells us that there was a day, and I don't understand this exactly. It's not, there never was a day that men were not held accountable for their sins. But what I do understand is there's a fuller revelation of God given in Jesus Christ, recorded in the New Testament, and it's the New Testament that helps us to see exactly everything that was going on in the Old, brings some clarity for us in reading uh, the Old Testament. So, God has given us His Word so that we shall understand. And again, whether we hear it, believe it or not, the Bible says that all men in all places at all times are without excuse. No one has an excuse when they stand before God. God will say, I, I gave you some revelation and you chose to suppress it and distort it and pervert it and come up with your truth. And your truth is a truth that will condemn you. It will not save you. And so, we understand that God's attitude regarding His Word, according to the psalmist, is that He values His Word above His name. You know, in, under the Old Covenant, uh, that covenant name of God, Yahweh, was not written down and was not spoken. They substituted other names of God because it was so holy. They understood the weightiness of the name of God. And God says, that what? My name is important. My name is valuable. But I want you to understand this. I value this more than my name and his name represents all that he is but God values his word that's why it doesn't return void he doesn't waste it his word is never wasted and so God values his word he's given it to us and so again there's this relationship between the word and the church Church is one foundation, it's Jesus, and we come to Jesus through the work of the Spirit and the Word. Ezekiel prophesied of this in Ezekiel uh, chapter 37. There's this great vision of dry bones, and a lot of people, you know, see helicopters with machine guns and missile silos and all in this, uh, maybe, 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 but, but I can tell you this, that the proclamation, the apostolic message of the gospel that was proclaimed so that Gentiles would be included in the people of Israel, that we would be saved, is a fulfilling, notice my, that's a, a gerund, I think is what you call that grammatically, the I-N-G, it's the fulfilling, not a gerbil, not a gerbil, a gerund. A gerund. And so the fulfilling of that prophecy is that, God's Word goes forth, and people who are dead are raised from the dead. They're, to put it in the vernacular, they're saved. And they're, joined, they're made alive in Christ Jesus. And they're constituted as a church that Jesus said what? I'm going to build. 
the gates of hell, all the power of hell shall come against it, but I'm going to build it. I'm going to build this church through the proclamation. I love Peter's language that the word of God, the, the, the way that you were born again is through the imperishable seed of the rebirth. Now, y'all know I, I'm not really much of a mystical guy. I'm kind of a beans and potatoes and, you know, you know, horse and buggy, simple, simple guy. But that, that concept fascinates me. That there could be someone sitting out here today and you do not know Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior. And here's the thing. You may think you do, but you don't. Mm-hmm. You may think you do, but you really don't. So you're sitting here, kind of like, I wish you'd shut up so I could go home. Falcons, well, you don't, you don't watch the Falcons, that's for sure. That's a disaster. I just want to get out of here. And then the word that Jesus said, my word is spirit. That word comes and does something within your heart that you can't fully explain. Long my imprisoned spirit lay in nature's darkness and that quickening ray, my eye diffused a quickening ray and I went forth and followed thee. I was dead. And that, 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 that word that doesn't return void, that, that imperishable seed came that word that is spirit that, that God has seen to, to preserve and, and to record for us and has sent men over the centuries to proclaim. It came. And I was saved and the church was built. And the church is still being built. One thing I try to pray for regularly. I am not don't typically pray for other churches by name too much. But I pray this. I pray that people will go they will attend, that there will be huge numbers of people where the Word of God, where the Gospel is rightly proclaimed. And that you would be at work in those people. And those that are believers would be strengthened and encouraged, and those that are unbelievers would be saved. Okay? I don't care what's on the sign out there, but I care about what the man that's standing up here is saying. And I pray that he preaches the truth for the good of his people, for the, for the growth of the church. And so that's why Paul can say, if you would, just let's just go here, uh, 2 Timothy, very quickly, in your New Testament. Uh, again, uh, words of admonishment to this young preacher boy, kind of like me, a young preacher boy, you know, still wet behind the ears a little bit. And uh, Paul is writing to admonish, to encourage, to inform, uh, to in instruct him. And out of the many things that he you know, says, you know, you need to understand more about how people are. You need to understand philosophy. You need to, to, to you know, uh, understand more about sociology so you can figure out what people want and what causes them to flock together and how you kind of, you know, do things so people, will, you can win friends and influence people. He says, I charge you in the presence of God and of Christ Jesus, who is to judge the living and the dead, and by his appearing in his kingdom. Now, I'm not going to break that down. That just sounds serious. I'll just, I'll just leave it at that. I mean, that sounds like, by George, you need to listen to this. 
And what does he say? Preach the word. Preach the word. I believe, and, and this came up a bit in, in Deacon's meeting, uh, I hear a lot of people talking about the great worship. Now what they tend to mean is the genre of the music that was sang, whether it's, uh, you know, Bill Gaither or Down Home or, you know, Bluegrass or, you, you know, you know, the guy in the skinny jeans with the holes in the, you know, whatever, whatever kind of music they liked, that it was captivating or, you know, enjoyable. It, it, you know, it sounded good to my ear. And there's nothing necessarily, you know, wrong, you know, with, with all of that. But the worship was great. And I hated the sermon, but the, but the worship was great. In fact, somebody told me that about one of our mega churches this week. And I'm like, I, well, I, you know, I just had trouble with that. You know, like, anyway. So, but the worship, it's worship the, the Word of God is like the hub of a wheel. And all the spokes come out from that hub and, and make the wheel. It, it's not the guitars and the drums and the piano and the organs and the, the cymbals and, you know, none of that. And again, that is, none of that's bad, folks. We may have it here one day. Any of y'all play cymbals? Okay. But it's the word. I, I told you we sat there in Romania, and uh, very church was not as big as our center section. They didn't. Even, they, now they had, um, they had a guy with a computer printing stuff up on the, the wall, uh, uh, the the lyrics of the songs. But they didn't even have a guy leading the song. There was a guy sitting behind me that would start every song. No instruments. And I believe those people were worshiping God. But what they wanted to do is they wanted to, they came not to get a little jiggle in their whatever. They came to hear the man of God proclaim the truth of the word of God because no amount of great melodies was going to help them deal with the realities of living in a place like Romania any more than great melodies are going to make it any easier for you to deal with the fallen realities of living in the world in 2019 in Clay, Alabama. No, just because we're all sanitized and whatever we are, life's tragedies still come at us. It's still a dangerous world. People we care about get sick and die. And no amount of catchy tunes is going to carry you through that day. You need the substantial, the solid truth of the Word of God. And so you preach it whether they like it or not because it forms the church. He talks about reproving, rebuking, and exhorting. And y'all know how patient I am. You know, really, see, I, that, it had me in mind, I'm Mr. Patient. Right? All God's people said amen. But you keep doing it. And what's coming? When even those that come and sit in the pews don't want to hear it. In fact, less is more. If you're... You know, if, if you preach 40 minutes, I'd like it better if you'd preach 30. If you preach 30, I'd like it better if you'd preach 20. If you preach 20, I'd really like it if you'd preach 10. In fact, 
If we can just do a few sing-alongs and skip the sermon altogether, I'd be happy. Right? Well, again, Paul says preach the word. Look at a second issue here very quickly, and I'm, I'm kind of behind the eight ball now. The, the, who is the authority in the church? Well, it's Jesus. He's the head of the church. But how do you know that? By the word. Okay? And, and, and the question of authority is huge. If you're on your job tomorrow, and you're doing your job according to the way your boss has told you to do it. And I walk in and say, you're not doing that right. And here's the way I want you to do that. After all, I mean, I know a lot about a lot. So I could probably do your job, my job, everybody else's job, probably better than you do, truth or not. So I come and tell you how it ought to be done. What's the problem? I have no authority. I probably actually have no knowledge, but I certainly do not have authority to tell you how to do what you do. Who has told us what to do in the church? Jesus has, and it's preserved for us in uh, the Scripture. If we go back into chapter 3, we see this this God-breathed gift that God has given uh, to us. It is profitable for teaching and for reproof for correction. In other words, so we can get it right. So we can live a life that's pleasing God. So we may be trained to live righteous lives. Look at verse 17. So that the man of God may be complete, equipped for every good work. What do you need to serve God? You need the Word of God. You need the Word of God. You're complete. You have the Word of God. So the question of authority, well, in our culture, nobody can tell me what to do. That's autonomy. I, I, do, I do it my way. I think Elvis and Frank Sinatra sang about that, didn't they? I did it my way, okay? Let me tell you, no judgment on either one of those guys. You do it your way, you'll go to hell, okay? Just, just word of advice. You do it your way, you go to hell. So there's autonomy. And, and I, I, I separated this idea of self-revelation. And here's what I'm saying. And this is, where I, I, this is the danger in the evangelical church in America today. My claim of visions and voices and all of these things rather than the Word of God. Now, I don't have time to talk. I, I understand inner voice. I understand all of those things. We talk to ourselves. Sometimes it's helpful and healthy. Sometimes it's good. But when you make the claim, God told me, it better be in black and white on these pages. You're opening a can of worms you don't want to open. Okay? I feel deeply burdened that I should do this or not do that. That's a different matter. But be careful about the claim. But when we do that, Again, Jesus said, don't add to and don't take away. If God told me, what is he giving you? His word, you're adding. And we need to get it down and get with Schofield or uh, uh, Thomas Scribner or whoever it is, Crossway or Lifeway or whoever, make sure they get it published in the next edition. 
Be careful about that. But that, is, that, that self-revelation is undermining the authority of this revealed. I just don't feel. And, and listen, as wonderful as my parents were, I can, I can remember this, hearing this over and over again. I told you, you know, my dad smoked for a lot of years, died from lung cancer, 79, healthy as a horse except for lung cancer. You know, hey, you know, he, he looks good except his heart's not beating. But um, how many times I heard him say two things, one, or his, and his peers too, what sin for one person is not sin for another. Okay, maybe, maybe not. You, you, there's, you know, you build a camp. And I'm just not convicted about that. But just because you're not convicted about it don't mean it's not sin. Okay? The Bible says it's sin. It's sin. But again, how we, we drift. You know, this, this is just how I feel about this. This is how I feel about it. Rather than what does the Bible say about it. What you feel about it may change with what you had for lunch or didn't have for lunch, as the case may be. So, authority. Luther's problem was church tradition. The traditions of the Roman Catholic Church had obscured the gospel. Okay? There was no justification by God's grace through the finished work of Christ on the cross at Calvary. And so, the gospel was obscured. And so, we believe the scriptures and the scriptures alone should be at the center should be the authority should be our our source of information uh, for the church because it is god's breathed word for us we stand by the inspiration the inerrancy infallibility of scripture even the clarity and simplicity of scripture are there things that really smart people disagree upon yep yep and I try to point them out to you sometimes just to bum-fuzzle you because it's fun. It's one of my hobbies. Send you all home to figure it out. But as I said, I think, at least for Baptist churches, the question is not inspiration. We believe the Bible to be the Word of God. We believe that it's inerrant. We believe it's infallible. We believe its message is clear and simple enough. But we believe we've got to have a whole lot of bells and whistles for, because the Bible's not relevant. Is the Bible sufficient to build Christ's church? That is the question, I think, for our day. But you've got you to, gotta, but, but. Church has some awfully big buts sometimes. They really do. I believe the Bible, but... Well, the problem is your but. Yeah. It is sufficient. So the ongoing challenge, again, even though we rightly divide, we've got all kinds... We admit all kinds of problems. Um, I, t- I have a great admiration for a lot of Presbyterian theologians and pastors. And I know two dead ones that know how to do a baptismal service now. James Boyce and R.C. Sproul know they were wrong about who to baptize and how to do it. Uh, thank God they know the truth now. They're in heaven. And so uh, they've, got it, they've got that all straightened out. Um, we, I've mentioned several times, uh, a lot of the Romanian women wear head covers. 1 Corinthians 11. I don't, I, I'm not going to get into that. I don't, you know, I'm not going to go down that road. Go study it. 
That's, that's a good one. Go figure it out. Is it cultural or is it eternal? Tough question. I, I told, I told it can't, we talked about that a little bit in Romania. And there is, there's always been a sect that uh, women shouldn't wear jewelry and makeup. And I said, I tell our ladies at North Clay, put it on about an inch thick. Two inches if you need to. Just keep, keep putting that makeup on. Just, yeah, you know, little do a little good, a lot to do a lot of good. Keep on. But legitimate question. But, you know, and I've said this before, when Jesus prayed that they be one as we are one, that prayer is being answered. Because the true church has always and will always agree on the essential matters. We can bicker a little bit about some stuff. Y'all don't always agree with me with everything, and I allow you to be wrong. Amen. Y'all allow me to be wrong every once in a while. But yeah, it, do, it doesn't solve everything, but it does resolve who's in charge. Where, where do we go to settle disputes? We go to the Word. How do we build our church? With the Word. How, how do we grow believers with the Word? How do we bring the unbelieving word to, world to a saving knowledge of the Savior? With the Word. And so it is a word that's been settled once for all. Final, final thing, and again, I'm out of time. I put a note down at the very end, progressives versus conservatives. If you listen to politics at all today, the, one of the great divisions in our culture is over what's called a progressive reading of the Constitution or textual reading of our Constitution. I'm a textualist, okay, which means I believe it means what it means. You can't change the meanings of the words just to suit a given circumstance. There have been people in the church for years and years and years. Well, the Bible changes. The Bible changes with time. No, I'm sorry, it doesn't. We're the ones that need to change. We live under the authority of the Word of God. And so we believe that sola scriptura is worth talking about it's not just a history lesson it's not just you know okay we need to talk about luther and the great stuff he did and so forth and so on but it's a challenge for the church because we're being pulled we're being undermined from outside of course like every you know our problems are where they're internal it's the sheep i mean the wolves among the sheep that are coming in and denying this great truth. So I pray that you will stand with me, that you will believe this Word of God is sufficient to do everything God would have done in your life and in the life of North Clay Baptist Church. Let's pray together. Father, we thank you for your Word, for it is true. It is your Word, and you've given it to us. And you've given it to us for our benefit, for our good, and for your glory. And Lord, may, may we glorify you in handling of, uh, of your truth, Lord. I pray that your Spirit's been at work today, changing, shaping, uh, conforming and informing uh, this, your people. We would pray if there's someone here that doesn't know you as Lord and Savior, that, that imperishable seed has never taken root and come to fruition in their lives, how we pray that, that you would do that miracle in their heart and minds today. We ask these things in Jesus' name. Amen.